The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good takes. But so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> have the disclaimer up the one that's the easy one like got it is highlighted but on the left and the one that you typically click for the okay button is then all of a sudden leave this meeting there's no there's no like in betweener this is the homance chronicles and i'm nicole <laughs> and i'm sarah <laughs> and i was going if you can't tell, Sarah is like a, well, just for the simplicity purposes, call you like a user design type of uh, experience. Well, user experience designer. Yeah, <laughs> whatever, whatever. <laughs> and so she's always evaluating how the various softwares and systems are communicating with people. And clearly Zoom throws her off because the button that you're supposed every to time. push is on the left instead of on the right. Yeah, every time. And now you're going to drive everyone else crazy because they're going to notice it I don't every know single like time. A, well, it's like a different user interface for everybody, right? So like, I don't know if it's like that for everybody. This user interface is different than what I'm used to. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Most people probably don't even record their meetings, though, so they might never even see the pop-up that says, yes, got it. I know I'm being recorded. Definitely a good point. Mm -hmm. I just thought, like, that might need a breakdown. I did not assume that people would know what you were talking about because the majority of people probably do not record their meetings. Probably not, no. At all, And in my corporate experience majority of them are using teams not zoom so yeah there's that too teams in my world and i hate it it's the worst application i've ever experienced in my life it's like shitty skype on steroids we don't really continue down this path (laughs) yeah i know but it really does suck up a lot of juice out of my computer like i can't do anything else while i'm in team nothing can be terrible i know so I need like a super heavy, fancy, very expensive machine just to do like day-to-day tasks with Microsoft. <laughs> it's seriously, I know my one client, the CEO, I have one-on-ones with him and he gets so frustrated because he's like, are you bringing it up? Are you bringing it up? I'm like, yes. I, like I brought it up. Teams is still working on it. Okay. Lag, my friend. Lag. <laughs> We're on a six second delay. <laughs> Don't get me like, started on VPN issues. Well, I guess I clicked share. It's working on it. <laughs> That's thinking, man. Chill. Well, I also uh, did my homework this time. So Woo-hoo. I have a whole history today. And 
I was bouncing around between three different resources when I was pulling this information together. And of course, Wikipedia had the most color, you know, like the most commentary, right? So I was like, oh, here's the juicy gas. Like in the Wikipedia. For the people. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, I actually got information from whitehouse.gov, like from the government. (laughs) And I was like, oh man, they're really like, kind of skating over some things here according to wikipedia but <laughs> well don't they always though let's be honest i feel like I everything's always super polished when it comes from anybody but wikipedia i know and so <laughs> i was like at least i can validate that these things are true besides <laughs> the color commentary um do you know what and- that bitch did could you believe this shit <laughs> Um, another one was millercenter.org, which was also very like official. And so as I was reading everything, it was just hilarious. The juxtaposition between the three of them and how they positioned <laughs> the various pieces of controversy, like the ones, the yeah. ones that they used. Well, this one's a little rosy guys. We're going to go ahead and use this one what those red flags never even existed (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna do my best to try to remember some of the like nuances because they were funny (laughs) yes um but i for the purposes of storytelling i have combined bits and pieces from all of them into one smooth story hopefully all right a little extra time made you uh real good at this book report today Really, I still did it yesterday. <laughs> At least I you still, didn't do a day of like I usually do. <laughs> yeah, I still well, I knew I wasn't gonna have time today. So Adulting. technically I waited till the last minute that I could yesterday. I mean, it is the new format that we have seemingly is that we have to be prepared now, which is something we tried to do not do the first time around. Well, yeah, with our older episodes, I just had to live my life. <laughs> There was enough content that was entertaining enough of my dating life that I just was like out here trying to actually find a mate, you know, (laughs) find a mate (laughs) out here actually trying to find a mate. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Well, oh God, out here trying to find a mate has possibly has to be one of my favorite quotes from you of this year. Hands down. We're only in January. I so know. you might want to start writing them down. If oh yeah, no, we're going to go ahead. We're just going to go ahead and start that right now. Ladies and gentlemen, let it be noted. <laughs> On this day of January the 30th. <laughs> so speaking of mates, um, the woman that I'm covering today actually had like zero issues finding mates and like her romances were pretty like whirlwind like they were always like fast and all of a sudden boom she's married so I don't I guess I need to take some notes from her that's an addiction (laughs) uh I don't think so because it only happened twice but (laughs) I'm covering Edith Bowling Galt Wilson Oh, oh. So as I said, she was married twice. So her maiden name, maiden last name is Bowling. Edith okay. Bowling. Then her first husband's last name was Galt. And then G- her 
G-A-L-T. Okay. And then her second husband's last name was Wilson. (laughs) So she just kept adding to it is what I'm hearing. This is how it was officially written in all three sources. Yes. Because she was necessary. I mean... I can appreciate that though. Like you're just not going to shed that set, that skin, that layer of who you used to be. You're just going to carry it with you via name. That's cool. I mean, (laughs) whether she did or didn't, I don't know, but that's how it's been written. So So she was, um, yeah. So she was actually the second wife of our 28th president, Woodrow Wilson. Oh, there it is. The White House. I was like, which one is it? Because I'm not good at history, even though we kind of do history stuff now. Yeah, I would have never guessed that. FYI. (laughs) I made some notes to myself about other things I didn't think you'd know either. (laughs) Oh, okay. Is that a check mark then? Did we just get how many checks do I get? Is this a new game? (laughs) Things she should have known, but didn't. Well, since basically episode one of these hoes of history where I'm talking about Catherine the Great and you had no idea who she was, I was like, oh, I got to take it a step back. All right. Yeah. Pretend I'm new. (laughs) I'm okay with that. I mean, there's also no reason that you would remember a lot of this stuff. It's just I have a weird memory. Today I went to the doctor and so I see her every three months to get Botox for my migraines. Okay. And so last time I saw her was like November or October Sorry. or something. Okay. Sorry. My cat just like broke my chair, like knocked the armrest arm off of it. Oh my God. Going you tell here. August to calm down while we record. It's just one hour. He cannot. um neurologist today and I have not seen her since the holidays and stuff so I was like oh what was the big gift you know that your kids wanted blah 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 and then she tells me and I was like wait where are you going to get them a puppy for Christmas and she was like oh my god your memory is crazy (laughs) yeah that's I mean I can understand why that to her is crazy because she probably sees a bunch of people all the time, but you see one doctor. So it's not that crazy, is it? Well, doctors, but still, it's also been three months, I mean, that's, you know, that's not too wild. so I don't know. She was impressed. I was like, yeah, got an all right memory. Um, actually we need to get back to Miss Edith here. So she served as first lady from 1915 to 1921. In theory, she was first lady. So after president Woodrow Wilson suffered a severe stroke, she pre-screened all matters of state. So she functionally was running the executive branch of government for the remainder of Wilson's second term. So that's what the in theory was about. It's not because she was may or may not have been. She was literally the fucking president for a minute. Kind of. So she was known as quote unquote the secret president. Oh my God. <laughs> Didn't know that. Check. Or the first woman to run the government. <laughs> <laughs> why can't we just call her the president? Like, why is that such a bad thing to say? <laughs> she wasn't technically elected. So? So, well, we'll get into it. Doing his fucking job. We'll get into it. So Edith was born October 15th, 1872. Libra bitches. Sorry. 
And um, she was born in Wyethville, Virginia to circuit court, court judge William Holcomb Bowling. So Bowling, like I said, her maiden name. Like Bowling Green. Yeah. So, so was, L-L-I-N-G. So she was kind of already born into politics. Correct. Okay. Um, the Bowling family home is now a museum located in Wyethville's historic district where she was born. And she actually was a descendant of the first settlers to arrive at the Virginia colony. So if you trace her ancestry back, she's a direct descendant of Pocahontas on her father's side. John Smith? And- <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, and was related by blood or through marriage to Thomas Jefferson, Martha Washington, and Letitia Tyler, which I think I'm saying Letitia, Letitia, um, it's President John Tyler's wife. Okay. So she actually had two first ladies of the United States in her bloodline or related through marriage, somehow related to her. So this is reminding me of that little, that young girl who figured out that all the presidents had the same like great grandfather or whatever, literally keeping it in the family. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so she had connections essentially she was in it he did um she wasn't set up for it though because she was the seventh of 11 children oh, okay. but two of the kids died in infancy yeah, so as they do in the 1900s <laughs> yeah yeah and so she, since she was seventh of 11, and I'm not sure where the other two fell, um, the two that passed away in the, in the line of children, but my guessing is that she must've been one of the younger girls, um, just based on some of the decisions that are made hereafter. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. Uh, the Bowlings were some of the oldest members of Virginia's slave owning planter uh, elite prior that. to the American Civil War. Yay. Okay. Yeah. After the war ended and slavery was abolished, Edith's father turned to the practice of law to support his family. So he was not a judge his entire adult okay. life. Like he wasn't a lawyer, like he actually was unable to pay his taxes on his extensive properties and was forced to give up the plantation seat. Oh my God. <laughs> men, man, back in the day, they just were not paying their debts, man. They, I almost wonder like if debts were not allowed, like if you actually had to have cash on hand, would we have such a booming economy or would it be a little less? I use air quotes on that one, y'all, because it's not currently booming, but like super curious if that I owe you has gotten wrapped up and just screwed us even further. Anyway, I I don't know, but it's just shitty. Anyway, continuing. <laughs> I mean, he was forced out of there. So then he moved to Wyethville and that's where he had all his kids. Yeah, of course. Like that's where he had his family. I'm not successful in this area. So let me just pop out a bunch of children so I can continue to be unsuccessful and have to pay for children love that well there back in that time there was a thing is uh child labor yeah that's- no that's right <laughs> they can pay their way 
soon as they're like four years old, I believe. So Edith grew up in a, in a pretty big household, obviously. And with her eight surviving siblings, grandmothers, aunts, and cousins. So they were like a huge compound and it was a lot of women because there were husbands that were lost in the war. Okay. I'm trying to, I'm like staring in the distance, trying to put all this together in my head. Continue. Okay. So there's a so, compound of people from all walks of life. Well, not all walks of life. It was their family, but it was just different like generations and spider webbed out as to who was there. And it was more women than men because the men had to go to war and they actually lost a lot of their husbands in the war. However, they remained supporters of the Confederate States of America. Like they were very proud of their Southern planter heritage. Of course. Mm -hmm. They actually justified slave ownership by saying that the persons that they owned had no were like content with their lives and had no desire for freedom. The persons that they owned (sighs) are content. They don't want their freedoms. Okay. Fuck. Right. I know. Did you ask them this or was this just a visual assessment you made as they were taking care of your shit? They're like... This is a better life for them than they'd have on their own, I'm sure is what they were thinking. Oh, yeah. Like the authority. Oh, gross. Okay. Yeah. So Edith didn't have a lot of formal education. (laughs) Her sisters were enrolled in local schools, but Edith was taught how to read and write at home. So that's why I said I'm pretty sure she's one of the younger girls. Yeah, that's interesting. And um. Her dad's mom, so her grandmother on her paternal side, played a a big part in her education. Um, Her grandmother was actually crippled by a spinal cord injury and was confined to the bed, and they had Edith watch her. (laughs) What a terrible fucking existence. First and foremost, I don't have any kind of modern medicine, so like I tweaked my back, and the next thing you know, I'm fucking laid up for the rest of my life. And then I got some small child who doesn't have an education to fucking take care of me slash keep me company slash entertain me because I have zero things to entertain me because it's the fucking early 1900s. Oh my God. So what do they do all day? Oh, Edith had to wash her clothing, turn her in the bed at night, just generally look after turn her, her and turn her, her in the t- bed. Yes. Is she, is she big? Is she, she old enough? She had a spinal cord injury, so she was basically paralyzed. But she, Edith also had to look over her 26 canaries. <laughs> ah, that, are, that answers my entertainment question. What the fuck did they do? 26 canaries. That would make me actually insane. It would. Like all I the, would all the chirping. No, no, thank you. No, I have no, two birds you. already and I'm all set. Thank you. Oof. No, thanks. So how old is she at this time? Do you, can you guesstimate? Do you think? Um, like probably 12. <laughs> That's 13. Precisely what I thought. All right. I got to roll you over now. Hold your breath. Like what the fuck? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's all on a compound too. So it's not like she's alone doing this. There's like humans wandering about. 
people around, sure, but her siblings were allowed to go to school. Her grandmother oversaw her education. So her grandmother taught her how to read, write, math, speak a little bit of French and English, make dresses. Um, One thing they said is that grandma instilled in her a tendency to make quick judgments and hold strong opinions. Personality traits Edith would exhibit in her entire life, like throughout her entire life. So she was stubborn. So. But she was not indecisive. <laughs> There's another way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I almost feel like she probably got a, I'm changing my tune here. She probably got a better education than like majority of the people in the country now. Well, because she was taught one-on-one. Yeah. I guess. She could read I mean, for, for a good time, her dad would actually read classic English literature aloud to the family at night. Oh. Oh dear, William, please bring the Shakespeare. So eventually they did hire a tutor though for Edith. And then at 15, she went to the Martha Washington College to study music. Oh, that's lovely. Um, It is until Edith was completely undisciplined, ill-prepared, could not handle being a student and was completely miserable there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, grandma didn't teach her how to play well with others. (laughs) Neither of those canaries. (laughs) (laughs) So Edith complained a lot about how severe the school was, that the food was poorly prepared, the rooms were too cold. The daily curriculum was excessively rigorous. It was intimidating. It was too strict. Everything was regimented. She left after one semester. Rules. No. Not common. Is it, it? It's. I should say it's a very common thread that we have seen in our other stories that we've covered, where the women that we tend to pick are the ones who are like. You want me to go to a, a building and sit there all day and behave nah. myself? Fuck that. <laughs> what? No, that's too much. That's an aggressive ask, sir. I'll be over here when you're ready to talk normal. <laughs> I've done where the girls are like, I'm 11 and I've decided this, I'm going to make an adult decision to leave. <laughs> yeah. Like, I- <laughs> well, I'm officially a teenager because now you can call me 13. So I sh- I'm pretty sure I should just jumpstart this career, you know? <laughs> I mean, she was 15. So she was a little bit older than some of the other girls we've covered who've made these types of decisions. But I mean, it's going fast, you know? But yeah, so she lasted one semester there. And then she enrolled in Powell's School for Girls in Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Um, she actually had a really good time there she noted in her memoir that that was one of the happiest times of her life but unfortunately the school closed at the end of the year because the headmaster suffered an accident that actually cost him his leg so um (laughs) that's aggressive yeah yeah (laughs) i mean i don't know why they couldn't just get a different headmaster The whole school had to close because this guy was an amputee. I'm not sure okay, the so deal was with that, but I mean, 
on occasion, and I'm going to just go ahead and put this out here, likely that when they started the school, he was the only one technically allowed to run it because he's the only one that was trained to do that. Probably made up the training. Exactly. There it is. He was like, I'm self-certified. Excuse me. Excuse me. We must close this class down until my leg heals. It's never coming back, though. It's not. (laughs) Classes are canceled indefinitely. Cancel the college. I was like, wow, that seems (laughs) aggressive. You just canceled all years. The whole school's done because this guy lost his leg. Um, (laughs) Yes, it was really important. So uh, now her dad's concerned about the cost of her education. So he refuses to pay for any additional schooling. And shifts his focus to educating her three brothers. Okay. So that's why I said Edith wasn't exactly set up for first lady role, although it was like in her lineage. Mm -hmm. She didn't exactly have a straight path. (laughs) Do any of them actually do? Like none of them do. Let's be real. I don't know. One of the women that we've recovered i've been like yeah, i'm gonna be I'm, I'm gonna do this when i grow up they're all just like hey just make it to 10 just want to make it to 13 fucking 21 sounds great <laughs> oh it's so true so sad <laughs> but it's so true um but true yeah and it, well and it makes you think like you just never know what life's gonna serve up you could end up being one of the most iconic women in history yeah. and it's just it's just how the cards are dealt i don't know <laughs> i feel like this is a great way like metaphor like just trust the universe has plans truly just pretend like you're from the 1800s and you'll be fine also have a dick that makes it a lot easier <laughs> so now we're jumping ahead to 1896 so edith's around 24 years old just really getting up there you know right yes well there wasn't a lot of information in between like 16 and 24 so i don't know if she just kept taking care of canaries or what she was she doing probably but was just chilling minding her own business like writing letters to somebody and you know what i mean like what do people probably do? <laughs> yeah writing so she was friends things just go a lot slower back then <laughs> She was visiting one of her married sisters in Washington, D.C., and that's when Edith met Norman Galt. And so he's a prominent jeweler, jeweler, jeweler mm-hmm. of Galt and Bro. So the couple got married on April 30th, 1896. So like I said, she basically went there, met him. They got married like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. <laughs> Again, as one does in that era, it's like the dating phase is just, let's just get married and figure it out after so that we can just hang out. Right. Well, the dating was a courtship with intent to marry, not a courtship and intent to be your friend with benefits and maybe decide that you're just going to be a booty call seven months later. And then decide that you're not worth a booty call. So then you get ghosted immediately. But then when after you get ghosted for a couple of months, they come back and they're like, hey, I messed up. You're like, but too bad. I already found somebody. And then that somebody's ends up being a piece of shit. Yeah. And then you're in another situation ship and you don't know how you got there. 
Yeah. It's probably a lot <laughs> easier back then. <laughs> it was much clearer, that's for sure. We're married. <laughs> so that oh, there was a lot of uh, infidelity. infidelity. Not that there isn't now. <laughs> However. But there was bl- like blatant, blatant and, infidelity. And like, the audacity of it all infidelity because again, I think I said this last time, but there's like no phones, no cameras. There's no accountability for your actions immediately. And it's all hearsay and your relationship with that person that's telling you the things. And so it's not true unless you finally get caught. Like it's, you know, way easier back then. (laughs) Way easier to define a relationship and to step outside of it. Yes. (laughs) A lot clearer. I don't get the rules anymore, guys. Man, I know. You're really, what a time to be alive for us. Jeez. Um, what are these underwear things you have to put on? <laughs> maybe, so, that's, maybe that's the compensation. Is like, it was kind of fucky when you had to put your clothes on. Maybe it took longer because you had to like tie everything to your own body. There was no such thing as elastic. So social things were easier. That I... I'm not sure how that thread happened in your brain exactly. Like in my mind, I'm envisioning that you have like the can to can with the string and it's like idea A and idea B. And somehow you're like, I'm going to thread these together. Yeah. (laughs) No, it was a, it was a matter of like thinking about How difficult it is to get yourself dressed, but how easy it is to have labels. I don't know. Sarah's world. <laughs> I need to go to bed. <laughs> it's been a weird day. It would actually be harder to cheat because you'd have to get completely like <laughs> out of your corset. Layer. <laughs> There's and, another you know, layer to it. Well, I guess maybe not because every like all the hard stuff is maybe like above the waist. Anyway, we're getting <laughs> off topic. Um, <laughs> we're good at that. <laughs> Married to Norman, and seven years later, she has a son, but he only lived for a few days. So sad. I know the difficult birth left her unable to have more children. Which have you noticed? There's a theme about that in these stories as well. A lot of the women that we cover have issues with childbirth, and because they can't have children, or they end up just like adopting children or something like they live these like amazing lives because they're not what's, they don't have another choice because back then <laughs> there wasn't like surrogacy or you know infertility clinics and whatever right so they're just like oh okay I guess I'm By done default, here. you have to enjoy your life <laughs> right <laughs> um so in 1908 uh poor Norman died unexpectedly really young at the age of 43 so Edith hired a really good manager to oversee his business because he was a a jeweler, um, jeweler. paid off all his debt. And then with the income left, she went and toured Europe. Oh, okay. Mommy, my bitch is handling it. Uh Uh-huh. Men could not figure it out back then. And apparently it just continued into today. I know. 
I don't, I'm sorry. Well, I don't think like, well, if he had any debts though, he wasn't going to leave them in a, in an, like having issues, I guess, because she still had income left over. Okay. So I'm thinking he had just like normal debts because he was 43. So he probably, you know, had some assets and things that he was, had a loan on or something, but it sounded like he was a little bit better of a businessman than some of the men we've covered or maybe just lucky there were notes though in all three articles about how she picked the right manager to oversee the business and how good that manager was that's good that actually is good to hear so that's how she ended up like just going okay well i'm gonna take whatever income's left and jet off to europe (laughs) boat off to Europe. <laughs> Jets didn't exist. Before. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in this cattle. Uh, where were the? What was that thing that we had in the last story? It was like <laughs> the she, she rode in the cattle boat. Um, no, it sounds like she was able to like have a bed and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> then, through a chain of friendships, Edith was introduced to recently widowed u.s president woodrow wilson at the white house oh my okay? god so i have no idea like when she got back from europe how she got why she was at the white house it's none of that is clear maybe it was in her memoir i'm not sure so she's introduced to the current president through his cousin so his cousin helen was serving as the official White House hostess after the president's wife died. Okay, so he was actually the president when they met. Correct. I don't know the history about any of this. I'm sure others do. Sorry about it, guys. <laughs> All right, I'm following. So yes, he was the U.S. president when Edith met him. And his wife, Ellen had recently passed away oh sad like recent recent within days probably and so at this time edith's about 43 and her and the president have like a whirlwind romance as as they do after your spouse passes away Hmm. oh Hmm. president wilson liked her like immediately and he began sharing state secrets with her to try to charm her. <laughs> that was his way of like peacocking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to say it. I feel like people's intelligence back then was very much less than it is now. And so like sharing that kind of information now would be getting you in more trouble because of all the different avenues and ways you could share it. But back then it's like, who's going to believe you? I don't know. I feel like things, when things like this happen, it's the reason why we don't do it now because somebody, somebody had to fuck it up for everybody else. So now we all have to destroy our documents after three years and take trainings. (laughs) And you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, obviously. Because President Wilson was out here sharing secrets to his lover. So (laughs) 
their courtship was brief and passionate and um <laughs> they got secretly engaged what mm-hmm. so in proposing to her he made the statement that quote in this place time is not measured by weeks or months or years but by deep human experiences okay well, unquote Wilson's political advisors obviously were not keen on this idea. Um, They felt that his marriage or his potential remarriage less than a year after the death of Ellen would offend the American public and ultimately damage his reelection prospects. So was an interesting piece of the story that I tried to muddle together between the three different sources that I used because there was lots of glossing over and then there was some like oh, I'm not sure if that's true um <laughs> so we've we've summarized into what I'm about to say all right so Wilson's political advisors concocted a scheme to prevent him from marrying Edith so there was gossip that Edith and President Wilson actually had murdered First Lady Wilson, his oh. first wife. <laughs> that's where I was coming from. <laughs> that's where I was. That's why I went after you said that because I was like, this motherfucker conspired to kill. He killed her. And then, <laughs> no, she just probably died because it was the 1800s and she was fucking sick. Yeah. Well, yeah. At this point, we're in early 19 i don't know 10ish 15 something like that sure so so obviously the rumor mill and things escalating to the level of murder troubled the couple <laughs> troubled very troubled <laughs> so president wilson proposed that edith actually back out of the engagement And no, you mentioned that she's stubborn and we talked about her quick decisiveness. No, she insisted on just postponing the wedding until the end of the official year of mourning. Fine by me. We can wait. Oh, instead of backing out of the engagement, she was like, no, we'll just give it the official year that it needs. And then they got married on December 18th, 1915. Oh, my God. At her home. Oh. Oh. I wish people could hear you laughing right now. I don't know if it's this the set of headphones or what, but, like, uh, blown away. Well, I mean, I'm not laughing that hard at this story. I'm laughing at the fact that your face, your mouth <laughs> drops. Like, Just your mouth was bull, wide open. Well, the... the- the definition of the audacity or the nerve like picture in the dictionary next to her name she's laughing again guys just you know (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why you can't hear me laugh it's probably my microphone on these old Uh, headphones i have on so now edith is serving as like first lady during world war (laughs) one So she's trying to be like one of the people 
So she observed gasless Sundays, meatless Mondays, gasless Sundays. Yeah, wheatless Wednesdays. She set an example for federal rationing effort. Oh. She also had sheep come and graze on the White House lawn rather than using manpower to mow it. I love and this. then love auctioned this off the wool for uh, charity. So it would benefit the American Red Cross. Man. So to say that she was not actually interested in a traditional role of first lady is. <laughs> Y'all are fucking lying. <laughs> she had it she, in blood. Uh so supposedly, though, she wasn't into a traditional role of first lady and just was like, I'm just another lady. And so lady. we're going to we're going to be like the rest of the people and have meatless Monday. Good for her. Um, she also hired a secretary to meet the demands of her social calendar. <laughs> so I she, love her so much. She was a Libra. God, she sounds like such a Virgo. <laughs> she. um. <laughs> she didn't like having to go to social gatherings or doing all the pomp and circumstance. So she just had somebody else go for her and also had her secretary, like limit the amount of things on her calendar. And she even used the American declaration of war in 1917 as an excuse to eliminate official entertaining altogether. (laughs) I love her so much. Public tours of the White House ended. The annual Easter egg roll and New Day reception was ceased. They were no longer informal dinners were kept at a minimum. Minimally attended dinners. All right. We're not trying to hear have a whole bunch of people up in this bitch. I want to go to bed soon. He's like, you're not coming to my house and doing an Easter egg hunt. Get the fuck out of here. But I love that she went from like casually hanging out with her grandma to the first lady. <laughs> well, don't forget though that she was married and then widowed and toured Europe in between. Right, that that happened also. Mhm. <laughs> so, Edith became the first first lady to travel to Europe during her term. So, oh, okay. No other first ladies before her had went to Europe while they were actually married to the president. So she went to Europe on two separate occasions with her husband, uh, once in 1918 and once in 1919 to visit troops and to sign the Treaty of Versailles. Okay. So during this time, her presence amongst the female royalty of Europe helped to cement America's status as a world power and propelled the position of first lady to an equivalent standing in international politics. Well, damn, it's because of her that first ladies have political leaning now, sounds like. Responsibilities. Yeah, there it is. Um, Pretty cool. That people give a shit, sure. So four years after becoming first lady in 1919 is when president Woodrow Wilson suffered a massive stroke. So he was paralyzed and unable to carry out his work or any kind of duties at the office. So Edith insisted though, that he not resign. 
because she thought that if he resigned and him like losing his seat in the office, that that would actually kill him. Oh my. Well, she probably wasn't wrong though. Let's be honest. You hear about those men all the time who retire and die because they had nothing to do. Right. And in one of the articles, she actually always referred to herself as Mrs. Woodrow Wilson. Like she did not refer to herself as like first lady or even as Edith. Like she just want, she just claims that she cared about her husband and didn't want him to die. So I mean, I, I, believe it. Honestly, I don't think that she was a gold digger. Doesn't seem like it. No. And so, um, it's been known, it's been said that it was the most like single important decision that she made during his illness, um, was to actually not have him resign. And she concealed the severity of his, um, disabilities from the cabinet and the press. Oh, really? Yes. So she went and did some dirt. So I like her. (laughs) No one was admitted into the sick room. Um, she screened all the papers and issues and chose what to bring to his attention. Um, so her role was basically like a secretary. And so she would report the president's decisions to government officials. So she claims like she didn't make decisions about anything significant, but she would decide on what was important enough to take to him. I love this. So she like inserted herself in front of all of these generals and all these men that are posturing. She's like, no, no, sit the fuck down. He's not going to see you today. I am. Yes. <laughs> I love it. It's yes. so good. I so good. Yes. And so she took her role like very seriously I and she was running she, the country as a president. So I would too. Right. Uh, as the first well, president of the United you're going to, you're going to love this. So She successfully (laughs) removed Secretary of State Robert Lansing after he conducted a series of cabinet meetings without the president or Edith present. So he tried to go like work around her and she got him kicked out. Motherfucker, fuck around (laughs) and find out. He found out. (laughs) Yep. He He sure did. Edith, you bad bitch. (laughs) She also refused to allow the British ambassador, Edward Gray, an opportunity to present his credentials to the president unless Gray dismissed an aide who was known for having um, made demeaning comments about her. Good good for her. Oh, I'm sorry. You I recall you saying some shitty stuff about me. So, no. Yeah. Goodbye. I love the story so much. What a classic epic tale. Correct. It is very uh empowering it's an empowering story so she ultimately assisted the president in filling out paperwork and would often add like notes or suggestions and um she was made privy to classified information and was entrusted with the responsibility of encoding and decoding encrypted messages wow and until 1920 Wilson had almost no contact with anyone outside of his circle of family and doctors. He did not meet his own cabinet until April, 1920. Uh, (laughs) This bitch went ahead and did all that. (laughs) 
She did. She did. And she took her vows very seriously. I mean, she was like, we're getting married. We're stuck together in sickness and in health. And I'm not letting this motherfucker die. So somebody's got to do this shit. (laughs) Gravy train, make it rain. Must I repeat? (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. So in her memoir, which was called my memoir. Um, <laughs> Stunning. Yes. Was published in 1939. I mean, to me, it just symbolizes how she was like, let's just keep everything simple. You know, <laughs> let's, it's very clear. It's easy to make a decision about a title. You call it my memoir. <laughs> Listen, I grew up watching 26 Canaries. And let's just make this simple. <laughs> so. Edith justified her self-proclaimed role of presidential steward, we'll call it, arguing that her actions on behalf of Woodrow Woodrow Wilson's presidency were sanctioned by Wilson's doctors, that they told her to do so for her husband's mental health. So Edith maintained that she was simply a vessel of information for President Wilson. (laughs) I love her so much. I don't know what to tell you. It's doctor's orders. So yeah, suck a dick. Right. So obviously there were some people in the White House who did not trust her. Mm -hmm. Um, Some believed that the marriage between Edith and Woodrow was hasty and controversial, which they tried to create a lot of drama around, as we discussed earlier. And um Others did not approve of the marriage because they believed that Woodrow and Edith had begun communicating with each other while Woodrow was still married to Ellen Wilson. But there's no, again, no facts behind this. There's no, like, no, they just don't want her to be in that role. Exactly. Um, That's exactly it. They just were not interested in letting her run shit like she was. Yep. And then in... 1921, they retired in Washington, D.C., where she continued to care for her husband until he died in 1924. So following his death, she headed the Women's National Democratic Club's Board of Governors. She published her memoir, and she even wrote in President Kennedy's inaugural parade. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Edith ended up dying of congestive heart failure on December 28th, 1961 at age 89. And there's a lot of weird things about this date. So she was supposed to have been a guest of honor that day at a dedication ceremony for Woodrow Wilson. Okay. Like it's, it was for a bridge that was going across the Potomac river between (laughs) Maryland and Virginia. And they chose that day because it would have been Woodrow's 105th birthday. So she died on his birthday, which was also the same day that they were supposed to do a dedication ceremony for him. Wow. Right. Synchronicities. I feel like she was supposed to be there doing all that. Yeah. And so now she's buried next to her husband at the Washington national cathedral. Yay. And that is. Edith Bowling Galt Wilson. <laughs> One of the baddest bitches out there, y'all. <laughs> he was the definition of fuck around and find out. She sure the fuck was, man. I love that she 
got rid of Mr. Lansing immediately. Oh, you, I'm sorry. You wanted to do stuff behind our back. Bye. Goodbye. Right. Right. Yeah. Turns out we still run this country the way we used to. And you fucked up. So bye. (laughs) I know. I don't know what it takes to successfully get rid of somebody, but she figured out a way to do it. And that, because I mean, he was secretary of state. I know. I I can't believe that you could just be like, oh, here's your pink slip. (laughs) So here's the deal. Nobody actually likes you. (laughs) Maybe just shame them out of office at that point. Right. Oh, man. So, (laughs) yeah, I had a good time reading all about Edith. Yeah. Well, thank you for reading all about Edith and bringing it to everybody's attention. You're welcome. I, she was so unexpected. Right. For so many reasons. And the fact that she was the second wife, and I didn't even know that we had a president that had a wife die while he was in office. I, same. Also, same. I just don't and know. And she about- was in her early 40s, like basically starting life all over again. And not that that's not that that's uncommon but i mean the way she did it it's like dang i know she went ahead and took that bitch by the bull the butt well put it took that bull by the horns <laughs> and really just made it work for herself you know i mean it's find yourself in a room with the president and then make him fall in love with you it's just NBD, wild d nbd it's just what we do here okay right <sighs> Let me let me refer back to said situation chips that we were talking about earlier. And just, <laughs> <laughs> just a different time, you know, mm-hmm. way different time. So, all right, it's well, Atta yeah, Girls. You. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, Atta Girl time. We can do that. But before we get in there, so she was. Did she have any like good close friends? I feel like she had to have had some one other woman in her life that she would confide in. Well, she had a lot of sisters. I mean, yeah, but like, I guess that's fair. And her sisters um, lived in Washington, D.C. And her family was connected because her dad was a judge. And she met the president through his cousin that was a female. Yeah, I guess you're right. She had all those walks of life in her life. So that would make sense. But yeah. He lived in Washington, D.C. with her first husband. I guess it's just crazy to me because it's like she never wanted to do any of that stuff. She never wanted to be in that position. And then she was one of the most profound people in that position. <sighs> you just never know. Her grandma really prepared her. <laughs> no, it's all those canaries. It's about balance and understanding when to let things fall. Taking care of that many animals is quite the responsibility. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Atta Girls is when we pat ourselves on the back for something good that we've done or something good that's happened to us. We just like to end on a positive note. So Sarah, do you have an Atta Girl ready to go? I do. I have, so I started a new job in January. I haven't said it yet, but I did start a new job um, 
which is something that I'm super proud of because it was in a, I was in a very toxic working environment. Um, and it was actually impacting my mental health and I knew it was, um, but I didn't know to the extent. And so as things are moving along and my insurance has recouped and I had my treatment, my nurse came over and she was like, um, you can tell that your new job is working out for you because your demeanor and like, you're just, everything is different and you're happier. And so it seems like it was the right call. And I was like, oh, wow, thanks for that. Thank you for noting that because I hadn't seen her since probably October, November timeframe. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so she's seen a, like a huge personality shift and whatever else. And so that's my adder girl, like maybe a little late, but I made the right choice. I did the mm-hmm. thing that I needed to do. I was unhappy. And instead of just like waiting it out and seeing what was going to happen, I took it to the point of like, well, I'm in control of this and I need to be in control of this. Cause I'm not happy. I'm not going to let anybody else dictate my happiness. Cause I'm using air quotes safe. Right. So I took it upon myself to switch up, find a new job and a new company and a whole new everything. I'm restarting everything basically. And I could not be fucking happier. That's awesome. Add a girl Thanks. because finding a new job is a job. Yeah. It's a fucking lot of work, man. A lot of work. And when you're super angry and depressed on top of it all, it just, just angrily apply to things. You're Fuck like, this one do I work. really need to have a fourth interview with <laughs> Tom from IT? You know, it's just it's like, ugh, it is. It's exhausting. So it's super exhausting. Good for you for following through because Thank you. man, that process sucks. It's the worst. It is the worst. But yeah, I good. I'm glad to hear that there's a noticeable positive change. Glad to report it. <laughs> All right, talk to me, Goose. What you got? My my girl is um once Mercury retrograde let up, and apparently now we're out of the whole shadow phase and everything. My my list of appointments and follow ups and whatnot that I needed to do. I have been taken care of and they've been like seamlessly, like just like boop, boop, boop. Like I've got my annual physical on the calendar. Well, I called today to make my appointment thinking that I was going to have to wait a couple of months. They're like, oh, we have a cancellation for tomorrow. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Don't mind if I do. See you then. Thanks. Hell yeah. Got my tax appointment set up. I've got my tax man won't reply to my emails. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I got, um, a massage on the schedule. I got my hair appointment on the schedule. I like, I mean, I'm crushing it as far as making sure that I get all my shit done. I was going to say you're fucking cruising, man. I know I've got a flight booked to Florida for March. I coordinated that I'm coordinating another trip in May and I got I got most of that situated. It's just like, I am just scratching things off of the list and it feels so good. Hell yeah. Add a girl moving and grooving, adulting and style, whatever you want to call it. It's working out for you. (laughs) How often does it happen though, that you're like, okay, I'm going to email my tax guy. I'm going to call the doctor's office. I'm going to look online to schedule a hair appointment. And they all like 
are done in five minutes. Well, I can tell you from my actual experience from this week, not, not often. Do you know how long I had to wait to get an eye appointment that I didn't actually get to fucking schedule? 17 minutes. (laughs) Oh no. Do you know why I know that? Because I put a fucking timer on. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I didn't think I needed a full half hour to make an eye appointment. Oh, I did though. I did. <laughs> oh my God. I had to hang up and get into a meeting. I could not schedule my eye appointment. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> crazy town, USA. Yeah. That is not okay. So I, I'm like, I'm vicariously enjoying this through you. Congratulations. Fuck you, universe. <laughs> uh, I mean, like I said, I, I, gave it a buffer mercury retrograde and then I gave it like a five-day buffer (laughs) yeah I feel that I think like so when mercury was ending I was starting my new job and it was cool because um I knew that none of the stuff was gonna be ready for me to like access right away and I was like no big deal it's mercury retrograde and then like the next week I'm like still retrograde out here in these streets. And then last week I was like, okay, I'd really like to be able to see these things now, please retrograde unle- unleash. And I had to like call a bunch of places to get stuff fixed. It was a mess, but we made it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm Slow. glad you're here. Yeah. I'm glad you're Slow here, burn. but I still love the job. You know what I'm saying? And I'm still mm-hmm. happy. And that's all that matters. My health mm-hmm. will come due time. Well, if you guys liked what you heard today, please rate, review, subscribe, and you can send us a hoe of history on Instagram at homeance underscore chronicles, or send us an email at homeancepodcast at gmail.com. You can also join our closed group on Facebook, the Homeance Chronicles, a judgment-free zone. If you want some extra nasty stuff in your feed. I don't know. I don't know why I said it like that. I don't know, but it was great. Fucking <laughs> great. Because I just envisioned those main players posting shit and you going, why? What the fuck? What? I know. Why? I know. I know. <laughs> I question it often. <laughs> Entertainment people, get yourselves in. Oh, man's out. Oh, bye. <laughs>